welcome to another episode of Lunar Crush Live. Today, we'll be speaking with Dylan Macalino, just learned how to say that, uh, founder of Sabre, um, DeFi, Crosschain, Liquidity Network. Uh, super excited to talk with Dylan this morning or this afternoon, wherever you're at. Um, man, these guys are crushing it. Um, you know, learned about, you know, probably a couple months ago. Um, you know, I think it was like, you know, they might have had like 7 million in like TVL. It wasn't even like a couple of months. Might have, we got to get the, the numbers from Dylan. Um, but now sitting here today, um, you know, looking at that, I'm looking at these pools now, 2.6 billion. Um, so they're crushing it. I'm wondering, like Dylan already said he went to the, the gym this morning. He's crushing it. Um, don't know how he's doing it and working hard, but, uh, you know, let's actually uh, bring him up and let's have a, let's have a chat with Dylan. What's up, my man? How are you? Hey, guys. Doing well. Thanks for having me on. Dylan? Yeah, man. Thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Um, dude, I was just saying, you know, unbelievable, um, you know, what you guys have kind of done. And and I can't, I was trying to look back at my calendar, figuring out the last time we had, we had chatted. Um, but like, what's it been like for you growing, you know, from this kind of, you know, spot with just like a couple of months, I think it was like seven, 7 million in, in TVL to 2.678 billion. What's that been like over the last couple of months? Yeah, it's pretty wild. I mean, uh, <laughs> I don't think yeah, there's, there's not really much to say other than like, yeah, it definitely was unexpected. Um, I think like a lot of people, uh, you know, like when I was like, you know, saying like, oh, I'm going to build Solana. Uh, a lot of like, yeah. the thought I heard was that like, you know, Solana doesn't have much liquidity, right? Like if you actually want users, you want capital, you have to build on, like Ethereum or, or like one of like the L2s or something. But uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like it goes to show that like Solana definitely does have like interest from from big investors and, and also even just like normal users. Uh, so yeah. So it, you got some FUD at the beginning for building on Solana. Like when, when was that? I mean, I feel like that's like the exact, you know, opposite of what we've heard in the market, you know, over the last, you know, couple of months. For sure. Yeah. So this project actually got started like really early on. Um, so yeah, the original, um, so my, my other two team members, um, they had built like the first version of Sabre, which is originally called Stable Swap, um, as part of the first like Solana hackathon. Uh, and so that was like back end of last year, like November. Mm -hmm. uh, so back then, like yeah, Solana landscape was like super different. Um, Soul was probably around like like one or two dollars back then. Um, yeah. yeah, and it like so like yeah, we built that uh, like initial like project. Uh, ended up actually winning the hackathon. But honestly, like the developer experience of Solana was uh, kind of uh, kind of poor back then. Um, like the way that like Solana is architected is it's, it's supposed to be very broad. Um, and because of that, like you really have to understand like the architecture of like how Solana works extremely well, have to write a ton of code. Um, and it wasn't until like, I'd say March of this year, April of this year, when we started looking at, um, Armani Ferrante, uh, he's a developer who, who works at Alameda research. Uh, so he, he's a contributor to, to Serum. Um, and he built some like really good framework called anchor that just made it a lot easier to develop on Solana. Um, and so from there, um, which yeah, I think was about like May or June is when we really started like working on, on Sabre again. Super cool, man. Um, and you know, we, I always wanted to start, I forgot to start with it, but like, where, where are you in the world today? Um, and what's the, what's the crypto atmosphere like there? <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I just left, uh, New York city for, for mainnet, um, which is a lot of fun. Definitely the crypto atmosphere there is, uh, very energetic, very bullish. Um, and now I'm in LA just, uh, you know, had to take a break from, from the big city, um, had to <laughs> break from the big work. city to the sprawling big city. Yeah, it, it's so much more spread out though, so it doesn't feel as big. So how many how many people are on the Saber team, and I guess where are they all located? 
the core team is still super small, actually. Um, I'd say it's like there's like four of us right now. Um, yeah, and they're all kind of based around um, like we just playing like the, the whole team like met up in in New York for for Mainnet. Um, like we're we're all kind of like from uh, Texas actually. Um, but yeah, I've just been kind of like traveling around for a bit. We were talking beforehand, John, about um, you know like when we went to like BTC in Miami and like meeting people for the first time in the space. And he was talking about even like some of the folks that are like avatar NFT avatars. Right. And then you're meeting someone for the first time and you're like, like, you know, I can't believe like, we haven't met. Like sometimes you're talking to people for so long that you literally think like you've met them and you can't, you can't remember. And you're like, Holy crap. And then you're like, Oh my gosh, you're four inches taller than I thought you were. Um, which is, super, <laughs> which is super fun, but it's like it's awkward. <laughs> I mean, Dylan, what's your take on like working remotely and like working in a space? Like, you know, some of the people outside of the space, I think are, you know, they don't understand that, like the trust that you can create and like meeting mm -hmm. people on Twitter, meeting people on discord and like, you know, how are you thinking about, you know, being such a small kind of core team with kind of this massive, you know, presence now, how are you thinking about kind of growing that team and like, you know, finding the right people? Yeah, I mean, I'd say we we really wanted to like push uh, push it as a DAO. Um, I don't want to like you know have like this like big corporation that is Saber because like that's just not that's just not why like you know I uh, I wanted to like start building this thing. Right. Um, so yeah, really looking to decentralize this uh, more. Um, like one of the main things we're working on right now is a lot of like DAO infrastructure to to kind of like get uh, other people on board and you know have like a way for them to like basically be incentivized for for their contributions. Um, and and like you said earlier, right, like. Uh, in a decentralized world, like everything is really remote first. Um, you know, people come from all over the world, like our discord, um, like the US, which is like where most of our team is based out of. Um, like that's not even like our biggest country in terms of users. Like we have users, a ton of users, a ton of like really passionate community members from like Turkey, from, from Vietnam and, and everywhere else. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I think really just trying to, to get a lot of like individual contributors to, to help start it, help, help contribute to, to Saber. No, that's great. Yeah. When you think about like the DAO structure, um, you know, it's like, like shapeshift, right. With like Eric Voorhees, I, I hear him talking about going from a centralized to a decentralized like, company. And I was on, um, not company, just organization. And I was on one of their kind of, um, you know, AMAs. And I asked, I was like, you know, do you think that if you started today, you know, would you have gone about it kind of the same way? And it was like, no, like tear the bandaid off, like just go straight, like DAO decentralized. Um, if that's the ultimate goal, kind of go through those growing pains. And I mean, if for you guys as like a development team, thinking about like creating docs and onboarding people, you know, are you going to be like, do, does most of the communication happen in like a public discord right now? Or is it happening? Like, where is that? Like, do you guys have a Slack that people join? Like, how are you guys working with communication? Yeah, um, I'd say right now we're transitioning more into to doing like, yeah, like, like we have a discord. Um, we want to transition more into like having things that are more like, I guess, out in the open, um, instead of just like being talked by like the core team. Um, yeah. And I, I think too, like brings like an interesting point of like the trade-offs between like having a, a full out from the beginning versus having a more, uh, like, uh, yeah, I guess like streamlined kind of core team. Cause I, I think like the big reason why like, all, like pretty much every project is doing the kind of like core team model first and then decentralizing over time is that like for like the very like initial like stages of the project. You need to be very like focused and, and very fast executing, um, which is something that you know if, if you have a DAO that has like vote on every on every action, um, then yeah, this like might not be as efficient uh, for for the short term. Um, so yeah, I, I'd say it's a very gradual decentralization process for us.
So on, on that note, I, I guess how do you how do you view um, support? And uh, a second question there: How do you view marketing in a decentralized environment? Yeah, that's that's a great question. Um, I, I would say honestly, like personally, we we haven't spent too much time on like marketing and BD, um, but we have a lot of community members who like like for example, um, like shout there's a guy named Ennis. Um, he's from Turkey, super passionate, like super community member. Um, and he like just like started like these like Turkish telegram groups and, and yeah, and it basically grew like Turkey to be like our number one country in terms of users, which is really cool. Um, so yeah, I, I do think there's value into having like some people like a, yeah, I guess kind of a core team who, who is engaged in these things, you know, and, and trying to help like bootstrap this, uh, these efforts out. Um, the support side though, definitely is like something where, you know, it has to be core team, I'd say, uh, at least in the beginning. Cause, um, you know, when you don't have like that many people actually contributing to the code, uh, then only so few, so few people know, like, actually, like, you know, what, what is like support. Um, though we did like kind of start like programs out where like, you know, give, giving like people who are, are really passionate in our district community, like moderator roles to, to try and help other people out, um, distinguish them in some way from like, I guess, like a normal like discord member. Um, but, but yeah, like really want to start doing more of that versus trying to like have us kind of like do a, or having us like all, own all those things. So you're, so you're getting the community excited. They're they're really advocating for you and and hopefully providing some support to help a little bit out there on Discord. Discord tends to help with that. But like, how do you how do you view like like the ramp up in in your your TVL and and how do you how do you view like what what caused that so quickly? Yeah, um, I mean, I think one is just the nature of, of the protocol. Um, so like Sabre uh, is an AMM for stable pairs of assets. Um, so, you know, if, if you're deposit like liquidity into like something like Uniswap, where it's like more volatile pairs, you have impermanent loss, um, where, you know, if I put in money, I might actually like get less than if I just hold the, held those tokens uh, due to the way that like the, the AMM structure works. Uh, but because we only deal with stable pairs, um, say I deposit like, you know, a pair of USDC and USDT, which are both like USD peg stable coins, um, I have like really no risk of losing my initial uh, uh, investment, right? I can only basically gain from there. Uh, and so, yeah, I think by the nature of the product, like it just makes a lot of sense. Like, you know, oh, like I, I want some, you know, like uh, like kind of like safe investments. So, you know, if, instead of like holding cash or, you know, doing like a whatever, like less than like 2% uh, like savings account or something in, in normal traditional finance, um, I can put my money into Saber and yeah, it accrues like decent amount right now because uh, of like liquidity my incentives. So, yeah, I think the nature of the protocol made it like, you know, pretty prime for, for getting big TVL. Um, I think you can even see like an Ethereum, like Curve is like one of the biggest protocols consistently. Um, and yeah, apart from that, I think, you know, people um, maybe just like trust trust our team. I think like we, we thought a lot about our product and creating like a, an interface that's like super streamlined, uh, very simple. Uh, and and yeah, like showcases kind of like the, the potential of Solana to be this like very UX focused chain. So Solana, I, I guess, you know, Solana, how much does that play into that growth? You know, I mean, like you've got this kind of ramping, I think Solana's up four or 5,000% this year, lots of developer interest. How much does that play into how much growth Sabres had? Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I would say it probably is, uh, is a, a pretty decent amount, um, even just in terms of token prices too, like, because like we have tokens um, in our AMM that are like, that, like, like we, we have like soul pairs, for example, right? So Solana goes up. Our TVL goes up. Um, I think our like highest uh, like uh, vol uh, highest liquidity pair right now is actually like a, a soul pool um, between like a, a liquid staking soul and, and normal soul. Um, and yeah, and I, I think too like you know when when prices go up, like generally just like brings more more interest into the ecosystem. 
Um, and so, yeah, I've, I've talked to a lot of people um, over the past like few months who are kind of just getting into the Sonic ecosystem, like, you know, trying to like um, get a feel of the landscape and obviously Saber is like one of the projects that they look at. Uh, so yeah, definitely think that helps. Um, though on kind of the, the inverse as well, like I think that, you know, projects like Saber and, and other like people who, who have been building for the past few months, um, that also contributes to, to the growth of, of Solana in general. So Dylan, maybe you could like walk us through like as a user, you know, cause it's like onboarding, you know, folks into Saber. It's like, Hey, I'm going to, you know, put USDT and USDC in, and then I'm going to stake that. And then I'm going to go farm that. Right. Like how does like, can you explain? Cause you were like, you know, the liquidity, like M soul soul pool, right? Like I'm assuming like, that's kind of what you're talking about. So it's like, maybe you can kind of talk people through like, how does, how does that process actually work? And like, where do you, where do they start receiving like SBR a part of that? And like, so it's like, if I'm already staking now I'm compounding that, you know, so maybe you can walk through that a little bit. Yeah. So, so Saber has two parts. Um, so one, one is a swapping um, where, you know, if, if you have two like pairs of assets, um, that are similar value, you can swap between them for uh, with very efficient prices. Um, so usually if you use like a, another kind of AMM that's like not like Saber where it's optimized for stables, um, you get what's called slippage, uh, which essentially like, um, you know, if you are trading like high volumes, you end up like losing some, uh, like you, you basically like, have to pay like a big fee kind of. Uh, and then, you know, in order to basically ensure that people are getting good rates for swaps, there needs to be like a bunch of liquidity um, in the pool. Um, like the, the more liquidity that's like in these pools, so say like USDC for USC, in USDT, for example, um, the better rates users will get for swapping. Uh, and so, yeah, so like anyone can basically deposit liquidity into Saber and then they get a share of the transaction fees of that pool. Um, so I, I think like it's like four bips for, for pretty much every pool. Um, and yeah, and then basically, like, you know, kind of like in the early stages of, of a protocol in order to boost up liquidity, a lot of people do what's called like liquidity mining incentives or, or yield farming. Uh, and so, you know, we, we did that with Saber as well, where anyone could basically take their LP tokens. Um, so you know, after I deposit my USDC and USDT into a Saber pool, I now have a token that represents that share. Uh, and then I can take that token and I can stake it in some other contract. Um, and, and we use this other protocol on, on Solana called Quarry Protocol for, the, for this uh, uh, integration. Um, anyway, so you stake it into Quarry Protocol and then there's like a set amount of rewards each day of SBR tokens that go to, to people who are, who are staking in this pool. And so... Yeah, I, th I think it's like a really effective model for bootstrapping liquidity, um, both in terms of that, you know, it gets like you know, a lot of liquidity there early, um, but also it makes sure that like the SBR governance token goes to people who are actually users of the protocol um, and, and are actually like doing things to help like the protocol be successful, uh, which is like uh, depositing liquidity. Yeah, thank you. And I think it's like the key piece there was, you know, that you, the token that kind of represents that pool that you're holding and then you're going and staking that. I think sometimes people really get, it's like we're still we're we're just introducing brand new things to everyone, and then it's like now take this thing and go put it over here, and you're going to get even more. It's like that's like the basic way, but I think it's it's a nice way where you set it where you're getting it kind of a token that's representing um, kind of the pool that you've already provided liquidity to, and so I think that's like a piece that people for the farming aspect maybe don't completely understand. So I appreciate you kind of going through that. What what kind of users are you seeing? Use the use this. You mentioned you know a lot of uh, excitement in Turkey. There's a lot going on in Turkey. It seems like, um, what what I guess is there a general profile? Is there a general kind of individual that you're seeing that, that's participating? Yeah, I mean, I'm going mostly just by kind of like Discord users and seeing who's there. Um, and yeah, we definitely have a lot of people scattered like all around. Um, apart from retail as well, though, definitely are like a lot of big funds 
who are just depositing like tons of uh, of liquidity in, into Saber right now. Um, yeah, like I, I feel like I get like new funds like hitting me up, like trying to do due diligence like every other week right now. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's a good mix. Um, I think like a lot of people like there's like a very like common like uh, sort of like thought that like uh, Solana is, is a very institutional focused chain. I definitely think that's true. I think um, a lot of like big institutions are, are looking at Solana as uh, you know maybe like a more uh, friendly option compared to like other chains to to put like big amounts of liquidity in. Uh, so yeah, that we see it from both sides. It's a good point. I, I feel like you know listening to the talking heads on CNBC a little bit. It was like maybe two weeks ago. Um, and it's like, you always hear Bitcoin, you know, you hear a lot of Ethereum, but it was like some fund manager and they were just talking about Solana like the whole time. I was like, when's the last time you heard someone kind of really going in on like some of those main networks. So it's like that, the chain must be very deeply understood at least more so than, you know, some of the other stuff's out there in kind of that wall street network. And like, mm -hmm. you know, being like being in New York last week, do you think at some of the main net stuff and some of the people you talk to, it, it seemed a little bit more kind of traditional finance and there were more, there's more of that than maybe you're used to seeing. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I would say like when I was in New York, like definitely like yeah, I had a lot of like interested traditional finance people who were interested and in, in heard about Solana. Um, I think there's a variety of different reasons. Like, you know, one is maybe because like the the kind of like founding team of Solana is, is US based. Um, and so, you know, that is like probably like easier for people who are based like people like finance people based in uh, the US to, to kind of reason about. Um, and I would say also like not being an EVM chain uh, where, you know, like solidity is kind of this like con uh, like language, right? That's like very specific to, to crypto, to, to Ethereum and then, you know, other like EVM uh, compatible chains. Um, Solana, like, you know, you can't actually like use solidity code everything is done using Rust. Um, and, you know, a lot of like big trading firms like actually like, already use Rust for, for doing things, um, for creating app, like internal applications and stuff. Uh, and so, yeah, I think it's kind of a more like natural transition for traditional finance people to go into Solana versus, versus something like Ethereum. Yeah, and at, like you said, Alameda Research and the SBF connection too with some stuff definitely definitely helps when you've got, you know, someone that's kind of stoked on on building out a network, you know, like that. So it, it's definitely it's definitely helping. And I mean, we've seen it you know, a lot over the last, you know, six or so months. But I think, you know, even seeing some of that uptick in TVL for you guys, I mean, there's still, I mean, when we talked it with you guys, I think you only had stable coins um, at that time. And there's still a like a huge subset of deposits that are just stable coins in here. I'm looking even at like the, the Terra USDC pool with 250 million, USDT, USDC, 471 million. Um, there's like, there's a lot in here. Plus, I think Terra is about to go a heck of a lot bigger with Solana coming up here. Um, they have like a Columbus Five upgrade or something, and it's it's yep. really going to play into it. I, I'm I'm curious, just in general. I mean, you know, been investing in crypto for a long time, and the the old narrative around you know you you'd be talking about Tether, um, you know, or USDC, and and a lot of these are you know they're backed by traditional assets. Um, and it, it's always, you know, personally, it's always confused me. And there's even the information around all of these stable coins is confusing where, you know, here we are in this, this real time, 24, seven, 365 trading crypto market. And we've got, we've got stable coins that are backed by typically traditional assets, um, where there's government risk. Um, and then you have on the other side, you have like, like talking about, um, you know, Terra USD, you've got algorithmic stable coins. Then, you know, Cello is another example, they have multiple, you know, where, what, what does the market for stable coins look like here? I mean, what, what are your thoughts? Who's doing it right? 
Um, do you have concerns about any of these? Yeah. Um, so I think it's like, you know, different kinds of users will, will want different kinds of stable coins. Uh, so like say you're, you know, a traditional like fund and you, you want to deposit a saver. Um, they're all pretty much like, you know, using USDT, USDC, because uh, those are kind of like the, the sort of like safe ones. Um, but yeah, they're not, they're not fully decentralized because they're backed by, uh, you know, some kind of like centralized assets. Um, yeah. And then, you know, with algo stable coins, I'd say, oh, yeah, Terra, I think is, um, I, as far as my knowledge, like it's, it's fully decentralized because, you know, it's really only backed by um, their actual like Luna token. Um, some of the other like stable coins, like, you know, might have like some kind of um, assets that are also um, used for, for the reserve um, that may be in some way like deriving from a centralized asset. Uh, so take like the Celo dollar, for example, um, other than like, you know, Celo itself, it's also collateralized by Ethereum, Bitcoin and, and DAI. Um, and then DAI is then collateralized by also like USDC. Um, so you could, you, you could argue that Celo dollar isn't like fully decentralized either. Um, sure. But yeah, like, like Terra, Terra is, um, as, as far as I know, it definitely seems like it's, you know, it's working well. Like, I, I've been like a big fan of the Terra like ecosystem uh, since like early this year. Um, yeah, and I, you know, I think like there's a lot of like, also like regulation talk going around about stable coins. You know, like uh, the SEC is trying to crack down at, on stable coins as, as being kind of a, a mode that a lot of people are using to, to maybe do things that the SEC doesn't like. Um, and so I think because of that, we will see kind of a big growth of, of decentralized stable coins. Um, you know, to Terra, I think you know, it, 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 I'm, I'm pretty bullish on, on Terra as, as an ecosystem. Uh, I think especially with like Columbus Five and. Um, being able to like bridge directly from Terra, like to and from Solana will be huge for, for Sabre and, and for Terra and for Solana. Um, and I think, you know, we'll probably see like a, a pretty like large uptick in UST usage within Solana in general. Um, yeah, but you know, def definitely like, you know, like I, I think the algo stablecoin model like has both its like pros and, and cons, uh, specifically Terra as well, where, um, you know, I see, I view Terra as, as more like kind of like high risk, high reward. You know, like with, with like sell a dollar, right? Because it's collateralized by all these other like a uh, assets that aren't just like the sell token itself. Um, it, it is, in my opinion, a little bit safer. Um, and so, you know, I, I think we're just kind of in a big experimentation phase, but I do agree that um, for this like future of, of decentralized finance, we do need like a fully decentralized stable coin to, to really make it happen. Do you, do you think that there's like a, you know, it, is there like a, a certain use case for Tether more of like, yes, it is more centralized. Um, yes, there is more central control there. Do you think that that plays a role more like on the, I guess, um, you know, on the Wall Street side of things on the, you know, do, do you see banks using that more than perhaps a UST? Yeah, 100%. Um, I mean, UST like a few months ago, like got de-pegged uh, for, for a bit of time. Uh, like that, that's super scary if, you know, you're a big bank and you have all these reserves. Um, yeah, so I, I do see like the first kind of adoption being stable coins that are you know minted by um, kind of like like traditional banks. Uh, so like you know, USDC, USDT. Um, I've heard rumors of like other like big companies, like big financial institutions, also trying to get into the stablecoin game. Uh, and so yeah, I definitely see I, I definitely see like the traditional finance world kind of like uh, migrating to those kind of assets first before going to something like a, like a UST. So a really interesting discussion because I mean, I'll, I'll ask Joe the question. Joe, what, what's the uh, capital reserve requirements for a bank again? <laughs> Zero. Ah, okay. okay. <laughs> mm. Interesting how that. It's works. almost like negative, like at this point. But yes, they moved it to zero. It's not even one. And and that's what's. It's also interesting because it's like 
you know, people talk about like US, you know, USDT or USDC. And it was like, you know, I don't know if they finished that audit. I know they were doing like an audit with USDT, but it was like even like 75%. Like, is that better than zero? Like, yeah, just slightly, right? Like, it's just like, <laughs> right. it's insane because yeah. people don't, they don't truly understand like the banking system. And so it's like, even like, you know, when there's big price fluctuations, it's like, sure, USDT could come off a little bit, but it's like, it's right back, you know? And it's like, it, the improvement on what we currently have is is so insane and it's be, because they don't have you know like someone was messaging this this morning they're like how is tether offering like 14 percent or how like how is this happening and it's like well think about how a bank works right and they have a certain amount of deposits and then they have a certain amount of people that are borrowing and lending you know now imagine not having two hundred fifty thousand employees Right mm -hmm. now, there's there's so many different pieces that go into it, and it's just you know the improvement is just so vast that it's almost like unbelievable for people. And I mean, Dylan, what do you say to people that are like, man, how do how are they offering nineteen percent? I mean, how do you answer that in like the simplest terms that you can? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you just look at the math <laughs> of like how the product I literally works. the text and I have this really morning it. is just tell them do math. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I, that's literally all I could say. I was like, because when you and just to sorry to interrupt, but it's like. It feels like sometimes with cryptocurrency, when you have to explain people to stuff, it's almost like you have to start with like, if this was the beginning days of the internet, you always have to start mm -hmm. with, well, here's how the internet works. And then you have to get to where you're going versus like, well, when I tap on this button, like a car comes to me and that's how Uber works. Like we're not mm -hmm. there with crypto yet where it's like, we well, just tap on this button. It's like, well, here's how blockchain works and then I can get there. But sorry. So what do you say to them outside of yeah. math? No, no, you're good. <laughs> no, hundred percent. I mean, yeah, it really is just like do the math. Um, yeah. Just look at how the protocol works and and, and figure it out. I mean, uh, <laughs> like it, it is unbelievable. But yeah, like like you said, right? Like in, in traditional finance, there's just so many like middlemen that are taking cuts everywhere. Um, so if you have a system that's like fully peer to peer, um, and then you know obviously you have the protocol that like takes some small fee, um, but that even gets distributed out to like token holders. Um, yeah, the, the system just like makes so much more sense. Yeah, the the simplest way I explained it was like, okay, think there, think imagine if there's like a billion dollars. Um, and those activities pay 7%, right? Just investing activities, you know, there's plenty of hedge funds, there's plenty of people that get that 7%. Now they can take this 600 million of lending because in crypto, you got to remember, you know, you need to put twice as much down to borrow, right? We're not at a place yet where, hey, I can buy a house and I have to put $50,000 down and I can buy a $500,000 house. So the protocols end up getting twice as much deposits. And so when you take that, you say, hey, we're going to lend that out at 20%. You only need to take, you know, you, you need a lot less money lending out, you know, to get, you know, tw that 20%. So if you take, you know, the 7% of the billion and 20% of 600 million, that's a 19% return, right? That's like pretty close to like what Terra is doing. And so I think, you know, it's just, it, there's a couple like pieces of it that people are just missing. And it's kind of interesting when you talk to like some of the money managers out there and you realize like, maybe these people are actually like salespeople. They're not financial people because they're not understanding some of the simple terms of itself. So that's my rant for today. <laughs> yeah. So on, on, on this note of, of still talking about stable coins here, I mean, how, how big is this market? I mean, where does, where do you see this going and how big can the stable coin market get? And I, and I, I'll throw a wrench in there. You know, how do CBDCs fit into the middle of all this as all these governments are trying to digitize their currencies? Yeah. Great question. Um, yeah, I think stable coins and, and governments is, is tricky um, because, you know, if you do have these like tokens where it's like harder for uh, like, you know, central government to control, um, 
yeah, there's definitely going to be a kind of a fight of power in, in that. Um, I do see a world though, where like, you know, stable coins, like make more sense to just like, you know, no one should be using like normal money. Everyone should be using a stable coin that, you know, is based off some protocol that people can trust. Um, and ideally like, you know, the, the people themselves are the ones who actually have power to determine like, you know, inflation of the stable coin. Um, you know, what, what are all the parameters that go into that? Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I really think that the, I think of the stable coin is, is probably like the biggest like project you possibly work on in crypto. Um, like I, I think Terra is, is probably the pro like one of the biggest projects right now. Um, that, that, that has the potential to like really like change the world. Um, yeah. It's an, it's, it's super interesting because two years ago, talking about stable coins, I, I might've fallen asleep. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's now exciting. It's pretty, pretty funny. I mean, th so then in this, in this world of, of stable coins, you know, what's, I guess, what, what's the role of a bank? Our banks seem wedged somewhere between, you know, crypto and CBDCs that are, that are coming out. What is a bank? What's the role? What are they going to do? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess like the bank is like, if you need something that a protocol can't do, um, where, you know, like, like right now within lending, for example, like you can only really do like over collateralized loans. Um, then, you know, there are a lot of people who are working on kind of, uh, doing like other models. Um, but you know, like right now in crypto, we don't have like a, a console credit score or, um, you know, things where that a bank like traditionally would, would kind of solve that problem. Um, but you know, I, I think there are probably ways though to, to solve that with, with decentralization, um, and with crypto. So, you know, over time, I think the bank really is, is these protocols. Do you think that's something that Sabre is going to want to solve? <laughs> I think it solves an aspect of it for sure. Um, like, yeah, it, it definitely like, you know, I, I guess like, um, I don't know what, what is the equivalent of, of Sabre? I guess you don't really have like different USDs, but um i mean i guess just swapping in in general um i mean like forex i think is like the closest thing to to that uh yeah i, I think it's going to be a bunch of different crypto protocols though not just saver um tons of different protocols that are going to basically make make up the crypto bank you know there'll be a new like protocol that like houses these all together um into like a nice like front end or something um but but yeah i'm, I'm pretty bullish on on you know not being like not having to rely on on using any kind of traditional finance like bank or anything at all and just only be only be using crypto um, I think in certain countries, like people are starting to do that where they really are just only using crypto for, for their day-to-day -day life, which is, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. And it, we talk about, we've talked about this before and it's just identity. It's, it, you know, we're finally hitting a spot in the space where we, we've talked about identity for a long time, but we haven't really, I feel like had the complete need for it, but as like the kind of rise of stable coins has happened and now people are saying, okay, I have enough money sitting here and I'm earning this, like I'm ready to do something, you know, with my, like, I want to buy a house or I want to buy a car. I need to do something. Right. And so they don't want to let go of like some of the assets they have and they want to be able to borrow against that. But it's, I don't know. I feel like we are going to hit a spot where someone is going to solve, like you can have anonymity, but also like, Hey, I'm going to put in at least here in the United States, like my social security mm -hmm. number. And you know, you're now going to know, like, here's my W2 from the last four years. It's, anonymous but you're going to have some sort of information on me to where you know how much either income i have or like other net worth that i have and so now like someone like saber can say hey i am going to offer you a loan at six percent for 15 years yeah. right but it was like we're just that it's just the identity part has not been truly solved yet so it's like I, you know i feel like someone like metamask should just like they should have like a thousand people working on that right now but you know hopefully we get there yeah 
yeah no I, I think like the kind of challenge too is if you really want to like have this like fully decentralized identity then like every part of your finances needs to be in a protocol in some way like it can be like read by the blockchain um and, and yeah i guess it's a hard problem to solve because you know like every single piece is is, is a lot um but but yeah i, I definitely think though it, it is possible and, and probably will happen sometime like in the next like i don't know five five ten years i agree hopefully faster hopefully faster yeah <laughs> So, you know, just thinking through like, so DeFi in general, there's like, you know, there's like 80 billion, something like that in TVL right now. And so like, I guess, how, how do you view the market for Sabre? How big is the market for Sabre? And, you know, I'm not telling you to leak alpha unless you want to, but uh, what's coming? Um, yeah, I think the market for, for Sabre is huge. Um, if you just like think about, you know, if Solana like really takes off as its own like decentralized finance ecosystem, um, then... You know, like Sabre is just a very core piece of that. Um, like, like you see in like Ethereum where like you know, tons of things are built on top of Curve. Um, I'd say Solana is like, like will be like that, but even more so uh, because like since Sabre is so early in, in the DeFi ecosystem of Solana, um, it has like the potential to really be ingrained with like every single protocol. Um, and and I, I think that goes kind of towards your next question, which is like what, you know, what's kind of coming next. Um, me personally, I'm definitely focused a lot on integrations, trying to get as many teams as possible to, to be building on top of Sabre in, in some way. Um, I think like a good example is like lending protocols that are using like Sabre LP tokens as a form of collateral. Um, and, you know, I've, I've talked to other protocols too, like building stuff like, like perpetuals um, or other kinds of derivatives like options and, and using Sabre LPs as that form of collateral as well. Because um, if you really think about it, like Sabre LPs are just infinitely better than using like a stable coin, like USDC as collateral. Um, because you know, it has the same price risk as long as you trust the two tokens. Uh, but you're also getting like, you know, the passive like income from, from the fees of, of the pool. Um, and you know, if there's any other like liquidity mining centers or something like you also get that. Uh, so yeah, I think that's a, that's, you know, definitely a big focus of mine. Um, yeah. And, and then kind of to like, even, even kind of a broader vision of Sabre is I see Solana acting maybe even kind of like how like L2s work, uh, where it's like, because Solana is like such an efficient blockchain. Um, you know, using like a bridge, like, you know, wormhole, which is uh, a recent one's come out, um, you know, maybe I'm like on Ethereum, but, you know, I need to do some transaction. And so I bridge using wormhole into Solana um, and, you know, Sabre can facilitate that like conversion between different stables. Because uh, like, you know, right now, if I'm bridging between two chains, um, so I like, say I'm bridging from Ethereum to Solana, I don't actually get like, you know, USDC Solana um, when I get on there. I get like this like wrapped Ethereum, you know, bridge right. version of USDC. And so, you know, a big like use case of Sabre is actually to like have like all those assets be, uh, have, have liquidity. Um, so yeah, definitely can see that where, you know, people are bridging in from, you know, another chain onto Solana, you know, doing whatever they need to do using Sabre to, to facilitate the liquidity um, and then bridging out to like, you know, the same chain or, or maybe a different chain. Um, and, and yeah, in that case, then like, yeah, Sabre, Sabre could definitely be huge. Um, yeah. Other, other things I'm like focused on too is, is, is governance, um, you know, moving towards a, a kind of down model as we talked about in the beginning. Um, you know, creating some form of like stake saver where, you know, it really incentivizes people who, who are holding the token to, to have value in the network. Um, yeah. And, and just that first part there where it's like people building and like creating kind of, you know, that ecosystem. It's also like you said, like the fees that the people are getting, but it's also like the non impermanent loss of those, yep. you know, so they have yep. some sort of like safety net or at least understanding there's just one less variable that someone have to deal with. It's like, yeah, you know, it makes exactly. total sense. Maybe maybe tell us a, a little more about the uh, the use of the Saber token. So so users are users of the platform earn it, 
And I guess in, in what context, how do they earn it? Is it when every time they, they, they claim from a pool or how, how does that all come together? Yep. So, um, you know, based off the liquidity mining program, as people are staking their Sabre LP tokens, um, they get like a constant stream of, of SBR tokens. Um, and yeah, there's basically a fixed rate for each pool. And so, you know, based on your proportional stake in that, that farm contract, um, that's how many like SBR tokens you're getting. Um, and a cool thing that, uh, you know, we implemented is that you can, it actually continuously like generates SBR or like spit that SBR. Um, so, you know, like when you like stake your saber in, you can really see it like, or stake your saber LPs. Yeah. I saw that. Um, it's just like, you just, it kind of feels like, I know Coinbase does that with like a couple of their stays. Yeah. It's like, you can actually like, it's like, you're oh, okay. I see it. And like come back an hour later, like, oh shit. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, from there, like people can claim their SBR tokens. Um, and you know, the, the future use of, of SBR will, will be like primarily a governance token. Um, we've been looking at a lot of different like models, um, and also just like brainstorming with a lot of community members on, on what that looks like. Um, yeah, like, like one model we really like is like Beaker, uh, you know, very similar to, to what Saber is doing as well. Um, yeah, I, I think the idea of, you know, you stake your SBR token, it gives you one is like rights to, to vote. Um, and you know, uh, V-Curve has this like cool model as well, where it's time-based. Like if I lock my, uh, curve tokens for a certain amount of time, um, like I get like more voting power and also, you know, more distribution of, of the fees of the protocol. Uh, and so. Yeah, I think I think that's probably like the direction right now that um, I would I would I would lean towards. Um, but yeah, like still still exploring different options. I noticed that uh, Definity with internet computers doing the same kind of thing, where mm. but it, but it, it it is interesting because it, it it results in an extremely difficult user experience. And so I, I I'm curious on your thoughts on the 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 user experience of governance and. What kinds of things are people going to be able to vote on and, and how do those get implemented? And, you know, I, I've seen so many models. I'm not sure if I've seen anyone get it 100% right yet. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree as well. Um, I think honestly, too, like we won't even get it right at first, but it's just going to be a constant iteration, um, you know, inspiration from a lot of different other protocols and, and seeing what they're doing well. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd say in terms of like, you know, what you can vote on, the, the most logical thing is just like incentives for different pools. Um, and Curve does this as well, where they have like different like gauge weights uh, for every single like curve pool. Um, you know, could implement the same thing in, in Saber. Um, other things is just yeah, general general fees of, of the protocol. Um, you know, like maybe like you know four bips is, is too high, and to be more competitive, like the protocol, uh, the DAO members think you know needs to be changed to, to three bips or something. Um, yeah, so so I, I think those are probably the the main things I can think of right now. Um, I guess the other thing too is, you know, how do you actually use like the protocol's money? Um, I think like most protocols are, are doing it kind of wrong where it's, uh, they're very conservative about like how they're giving out uh, or how they're spending like the protocol's treasury. Um, but, you know, like if you think about it as like a normal business, right? Like you should be using your funds for, you know, user acquisition, right? Marketing costs, like giving grants to people who are building on top of your protocol. Um, and so... Yeah, I'd say like you know that that's probably something that the DAO would would uh, be heavily involved in. It's just like how do you actually distribute this capital um, in order to grow the protocol in the most efficient way? And that goes into your grants program, part of that. Yeah, yeah, I'd say it's probably probably a grants program. I mean, like, none of this stuff is actually set up yet. Um, this is all kind of like theoretical, like still still brainstorming and figuring it out. Um, but yeah, I, I think that would make sense. So it happens when you grow so fast, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. you need more than four people, Dylan. I think it's time, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, can anyone create a pool? Um, in the contracts, yes. Um, not in the front end right now, though. Gotcha. Cool. I was they, they 
that's kind of interesting to thinking about like from a DAO governance perspective, like kind of where people want to start to allocate capital in order to create pools. It's it's an interesting model to be able to like just get in there and kind of create whatever's next. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, I'm curious maybe just to back out a little bit again here. I know we're talking about Sabre, but I, I keep thinking of just how stable coins have evolved and, and like um, go back to 2016, 2017. Um, that was a, actually even 2013, brutal crashes in the market, right? And and back then it was um, almost a binary discussion of like, oh, well, money's out of the market now. Um, they're out of Bitcoin. They Their money's back into their bank account. Like basically money into Coinbase, money back out to your bank account. It, it actually was used to be that way a lot more. Um, mm -hmm. And and I guess how, you know, all of these stable coins and like in the crypto market, I guess, how do you see them playing here? Like, you know, Bitcoin's not doing that great the last couple of weeks. Um, money, I, I'll assume, I haven't seen the numbers, um, is not exiting and going back to Wells Fargo and Chase Bank. Um, you know, like, how do you see the stable coins playing a role in, in I guess, um, in, in volatility in the market and, and, you know, keeping money in the crypto market? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, very common, like, thing people do is that, you know, if they, uh, you know, want to, like, wait for maybe the market to dip down more, like, say they sell out and, you know, they think it's going to go down more, they'll just hold stables. Um, I think that plays really well into something like Sabre as well, because, you know, if you have just stables on reserve, you might as well be staking them in, into something like Sabre um, to, to earn some, like, income on. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, as the market, like, downturns, you'll probably see an increase in, in stable coin usage um, because of that reason, or, or people holding stable coins. Um, yeah. Are you seeing that? Are you seeing that on Sabre when the market falls? Do you see that you're, that the inflow increases? Um, not, no, honestly, not yet. Um, I, I think, like, the peak of Sabre, so Sabre, I think, got to, like, 4 billion TVL as, as, as the max. Um, that was kind of around the height of, of Solana. Um, and then as, like, that's, but that's also because, like, Sabre, like, has, uh, like, more pools than just, just stable coins. Um, I'm thinking, though, yeah, if you look at the individual, like, stable coin pairs, I, I think, you know, another reason, though, like, um, they might not put, like, money in Sabre directly is that, like, if the market is in a downturn, um, like, most of, like, the kind of, like, uh, like, income you get for sticking your, like, stables in Sabre is actually like, the SBR token. Um, and so, like, if you are also just, like, bearish on, on crypto in general, maybe there's, like, another, like, method that you think would, like, yield higher returns than uh, getting, like, an SBR token during a bear market. Um, but yeah, like honestly, I haven't like really seen that too much in, in Sabre right now. Well, you're in such a growth phase of your, of, of Sabre. It's probably hard to tell. You'd probably have to be more yeah. mature and have, <laughs> for like, sure, for sure. Know, wait a year, see how it goes. For sure. I agree with that as well. Cool. Um, are you like for the SBR token? Um, I mean, do you have any sort of like, like system where, you know, if I'm holding a little bit more SBR in some of these, like, you know, some of the farms where the reward is actually like increased. Um, or like you were saying, like if someone's like, hey, I'm getting a bunch of like SBR and I want to move this thing off because um, there's nothing else that I'm kind of doing with it. Are you seeing that people are saying like, oh, I'm going to maybe, you know, like is there sentiment that they're like, hey, I'm going to sell SBR and just kind of move it back into this pool that I was already in because this is the pool that I'm in. Um, and like, what are your kind of thoughts around like, I'm sure you guys are thinking about like, what's the kind of next stage for kind of, you know, token holding and incentivization there? Yeah, yeah. A lot of people are like, yeah, kind of like uh, compounding their like SBR tokens. Um, I think the model is like kind of like what I talked about earlier, which is like similar to Curve. Um, like I think they they made a good model of basically, you know, how do you incentivize people to like 
hold curve tokens for a really long period of time while still being in these pools while yeah. still like you know being incentivized to deposit more liquidity in um like you know with with curve like you get boosted rewards basically for uh you know, the longer you lock your tokens um yeah you get boosted rewards uh for for depositing into like, different pools um and so yeah i, I think that's the uh, the most like logical model that, that saber follows as well um yeah, but yeah, you know, we're we're still super early. So, you know, none of this stuff has been implemented yet. Um, still in very much an early stage, even though the TBL is high. Um, like, it, it's still like two months or three months of us like actually working on this protocol. So yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. crazy built. It's crazy, man. They they say nothing attracts a crowd like a crowd and the crowd is clamoring <laughs> at the doors. And so you're, um, you know, you guys are doing it, doing it the right way. I, I do. I like that you started with stablecoin. So and I think when we first talked, that's all that was there. And then you started to kind of integrate this other piece to it with with different projects and Saber, and you started to figure it out. And so it's like you you definitely found a nice niche there um, that the community was you know was looking for. And it's like when you do have an, such an increase in a, and we were kind of talking about this beforehand. It's like when you have such an increase in a project that people are holding, naturally some people are going to say like I, I do need to take some off the table, right? And so for you to be able to say, hey, well, here's the place where you can do that at. Um, you know, sometimes some of the stuff is just timing, man. So it's like, you know, with Solana and what happened, it's great timing. Yep. For sure. For sure. Is this, is this a new record? Is this like the fastest growing TV? <laughs> for, for I was going to ask that. I, I didn't have enough time to go look at like Polygon like earlier, but like it has to be, I mean, it has to be. I mean, yeah, I was impressed I mean, with others... QuickSwap. QuickSwap had a billion, but that, and that took a few months and that was 1 billion. Yeah. Yeah. The, the other super fast one actually is another project on Solana that built on top of Saber. Um, they're called Sunny. Um, it's a yield aggregator, so like very similar to Yearn. Um, and yeah, basically all they did was they just like had like Saber LP tokens um, that you could deposit in and you earn um, both like Sunny tokens and the SDR tokens. And yeah, kind of like as our TBL grew, their TBL also grew really fast. Um, like they got to like 3 billion TBL in like, I think like a week <laughs> after they launched. <laughs> um, so I, I think that one's wow. probably the record. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's just like another level deeper that we didn't even see. It wasn't even on the radar. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy, man. <laughs> Yep. No, it's it's super impressive. Um, so we, I think we want to talk about like community a little bit, John, on here, or what, I mean, what do you want yeah, to just like? Yeah, yeah. I mean, just in terms of the community, you know, what? How does the community play a part in all of this, and and what are some ways that that individuals can get involved? Yeah, yeah. Community plays a big part. Um, I think I think we've like touched on a few of these points yeah. already. Um, in terms of yeah, like. I think, you know, how do you basically incentivize community members to, to make contributions? Um, I, I have a point more pointed one, Dylan. It's like, how do you end up? So you said like you had some, um, you know, some folks in Turkey that created like a telegram group, right? Yep. Like, how do you trust that person, you know, to represent the brand and represent Saber in a way that you want, like that you feel is you're comfortable with? Or do you just have to say like, hey, I, like, did you have a Zoom call with them? Or did they, was it a telegram? And they're just like, hey, I want to run with this. I love what you guys are doing. I want to run with this like Turkey telegram. You're like, go for it. And like yeah. hands off and they just go for it. Like what is, wh how, how did that work? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, that really is like, it's it just kind of, they just said, Hey, I'm, I started this thing. Look how big it is. I was like, Oh wow. <laughs> That's really cool. Um, yeah. yeah. I think like, you know, I, I, I have no right to, to gatekeep kind of uh, you know, saver or anything like that. I think in the spirit of being like decentralized protocol, right. It's like, you know, anyone can do whatever they want with it. Um, even though like I'm like the earliest that contributed to the protocol, right? That doesn't mean that, um, you know, like I, I have any more right, I guess, in saying like, you know, what happens with, with this protocol. Um, yeah, and then and it's, it's kind of like our, our sort of like philosophy is that, you know, we, we just want to engage people as much as possible. Um, 
you know, I, I think like we were talking about earlier, like grants program, I think that's probably a very like logical thing to, to do next to get um, more, more people in to like sort of like do this like, kind of organic growth. Um, like, yeah, I think like what's cool with, with like the Turkish guy, um, like he, he basically was a Sabre user from like literally like day one. And so, um, you know, he, he kind of grew like with, with as, as the protocol grew, he, he was right there for all of that. Um, and that's why, you know, he, he's so passionate about this community. Um, and there's like several other people like that in our discord who, you know, that, that's basically like, yeah, they, they kind of like, you know, they, they were also there from early on. So they, uh, they're just, they just feel very passionate about, about this token, this community. Um, yeah, I, I think that that's, that's really most of it. Cool. So, then, so in, that, in that environment, and and we've had so many projects come on and talk about decentralization, and and some have a really nice brand, and some not not quite there yet. Um, and and I guess I'm I'm curious, how do you control a brand in a decentralized environment? And and I mean, your your website, your logo, your your documentation, your you know all all of you know videos that get created, social posts. How do you how do you handle that in a decentralized environment? Um, yeah, I, I mean, so I think just like any other protocol, right, you basically kind of have this like bootstrapping team, um, that starts out and sort of like lays out the groundwork for everyone. Uh, and so, yeah, for that, so that was like, you know, writing the initial documentation, creating the branding, um, creating the website, all these different things. Um, and you know, I, I guess like, yeah, I, I hope that like, as we kind of like step more and more back from like having like very, very heavy direction on how Saber goes, um, like the brand will continue to flourish. Um, you know, I guess one of those things where it's like, I, I, until I get to that point, I can't really think too much. Like, you know, until like, oh, like, you know, like Saber just kind of goes to trash, right? After like other people are, are also involved with it. Like, what do I do now? Um, you know, do I step back in kind of, um, I feel like I, I remember a protocol that did do that where like, after like one of like the core guys like stepped away, um, the protocol kind of like became worse. And so he stepped back in to, to kind of fix it. I forgot which one it was though. It was on Ethereum. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's a good question. I honestly I haven't thought of that too uh, thought about that too much, but yeah. I mean, it's, 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 just, it's like like as an example, take a, a scenario of you know Saber launches some new lending feature. Uh, example, mm -hmm. I don't know, and who's who's announcing it? Who's yeah. who's who's packaging it up to say, hey, there's this great new thing over on Saber? If there's no central, there's no marketing person. It's just completely. Yeah. And then that person that might post it that might control that Twitter account might think they're really good at social, but maybe not so much, <laughs> maybe not the best designer, like like yeah. all these things. And, and so this is, I don't know, this is another interesting point around decentralization where it's like, like yeah, it sounds awesome as we all talk about it. And then in, in practice, we we almost have this uh, expectation of like an Apple launch event when something big happens, yeah. <laughs> right? But, yeah. but there's no central team planning it. It's just a bunch of people all over the place. So it's, sure. it's pretty tough. For sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think the the best like case scenario is that essential like kind of like, like I, I think yeah. Like any, any organization needs to have like, a leader. Um, it can't be completely like you know like yeah like there's there's no one kind of like managing things or else like nothing gets done. Um, and so you know I, I think like I think a cool like, uh, example is like Sushi Swap where right. that was like a very organic kind of community. Um, where you know some people um like Zero X Maki like he kind of just like stepped up to to basically lead that protocol. Um, but you know he he wasn't like you know like I guess from from like a super like core team, like in, in terms of like how you think about like Saber or other protocols, he really was just an organic community member that came up and was like, hey, I want to leave this thing and, and really just started pushing it forward. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. I, I think in Solana, especially, I mean like, uh, yeah, like in Solana especially, you, you do have these very kind of like, uh, 
big core teams right now that are like building these protocols from from kind of day zero um, and and still like actually managing it. Uh, I think in Ethereum, it's kind of gone to the point where like a lot of it is getting decentralized more. Like Maker, for example, dissolving their like Maker Foundation um, to make it more decentralized. So yeah, maybe over time, like as Ethereum matures more, there is like a less of a need for someone to like really be uh, or, or or to be like extremely aggressive in, in how things are run. Um, but, but yeah, I mean. It's a, it's a cool experiment. <laughs> yeah. Cool, cool times yeah. to be working in crypto. hundred yeah. percent. It's like naturally once, you know, if there's a marketing wallet or treasury or whatever you want to call it, when some of these things are out there and it's now distributed and it's decentralized, it's in the, it's in the world. Um, it's like, well, who, you know, if there's no governance structure in place by then, it's kind of like, well, what happens? Right. For sure, it's, for sure. it's like, it's just like a team building and it's like connected to a couple different products. So it's like, you know, I, I but I think it's cool that, you know, it's like these five-year plans or these six-year plans. And a lot of these projects, you know, have the opportunity to kind of think through exactly how they want to go about some of these things, figure mm -hmm. out where the community is at, build a big enough following. And then it's like, you know, we're going to see. And I think that's why just because Ethereum with, you know, it's a little bit older, right? And you're yeah. kind of seeing the maturity there. Um, and these other protocols are just going to follow, follow in suit. I just, it's just exciting that it's not, you know, I think we thought at one point, it's like, it's just going to be Ethereum. You know, and it's like, it's so exciting that it's like, it's not right. And it's yeah. like the interoperability, I think is going to be such a, like you're talking about wormhole and like, you know, Terra bridge and it's like, which way do they go? Or like, what if they all just work together on the same thing and they just picked off and had some sort of system. Um, but it's like, everyone's so competitive and so like entrepreneurial and innovative in this space that it's like, I don't see that ever happening. It's just going to be a bunch of individuals that are just like working as hard as they can, like yourself. So it's like, super yeah. exciting. For sure, for sure. Awesome, man. Well, Dylan, dude, we really appreciate you coming on, being a part of this, man. We did almost an hour here. Um, congrats on all the success. Like, I'm super excited to see, you know, you guys growing and what you're going to be building next. And, you know, if you ever need anything from us, you know, we're here for you. And uh, John, as always, it's a pleasure. Everyone in the chat and listening out there in the, in the great world of Twitter and YouTube and Theta and Facebook and everywhere else. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, Dylan from Sabre, thank you so much, so much, man. We'll talk to you backstage.